ready to get and stay fit? Welcome to Fit, Positive, Confident with Dr. Gordon, where the focus is on your whole person health, physical, mental, and spiritual. Because your health can be affected by so many factors, Dr. G covers a range of topics in this program, from eating healthy to world-shaping events. So relax and enjoy the show. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another program. I have uh, Dr. Lisa Lindor in the studio, and it's good to have you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You've been here once before. Yes. And we talked just about general stuff, general health. And uh, tell me again uh, the type of uh, med- the type of medicine that you practice. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm certified in family medicine. And then I have specialized in geriatrics, which is care for the older population ages, I guess, 55, 65 and above, and also hospice and palliative medicine, which is care for those who are um, who have severe life-threatening illnesses and are at the end of life. Currently, I am working at a geriatric clinic, so I care for adults aged 55 and older with chronic medical conditions. Uh, what, um, what kind of uh, conditions? Oh, everything. Diabetes, high blood pressure, chronic wounds, psychiatric conditions, uh, you name it. So you take care of it. <laughs> you're working with people right now who are not necessarily dying immediately. There are some who are. So we do have some end-of-life participants on our panel, but most of them are not. Yeah. Most of them are just living life. <laughs> most of them, are they... Uh, Apparently, a lot of these people have chronic illnesses, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, they uh, all have chronic illnesses. Are they expecting to get better, most of them? Uh, I don't think so. I think we're just working to try to manage the conditions that they currently have. I mean, they obviously have some things that pop up that we can, I guess, cure in the moment. But for the majority of their chronic um, conditions, no, we just manage those. We don't try to cure you them. You manage them, but do they hope that they are going to get oh. better? I think for the most part, they know that they're not going to get better, and we just want to try to keep things under decent control. Have you, so there comes a point in a person's life, I guess, when, you know, when they realize that they're not going to get better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have a wide wide variety of participants. I think that for the most part, they understand that these conditions that they have will not get better. I mean, there was one person that I had to tell the other day that you are such and such years old and you are going to have chronic conditions. You're going to have aches and pains. You're n- we're never going to be able to get rid of everything that you have. And so we just have to work and deal with what conditions that you currently have. Um, and she laughed because she knew that I was telling the truth. <laughs> but yeah. Um, I think at a certain point, people understand that, okay, I'm not going to get better, you know, but I just want to make sure that I have this well controlled so that it doesn't cause other problems. There are other people who don't really fully understand their medical condition and they don't have really good health literacy or health knowledge. And so sometimes they think that some chronic conditions that they have that they can get fixed. For example, I had a lady who has cirrhosis, which is basically um, scarring of the liver and she thought that she was going to be able to get better, but that cannot get better. We just manage and try to make sure that it doesn't go on to something more severe. The cirrhosis doesn't get worse. But I did have to educate her on that. So I think part of it is also health literacy. But it's a mixed bag. I think the majority of people understand that we're just managing as opposed to trying to cure. 
So what's the youngest? Fifty-five. Fifty-five. Mm-hmm. What I what I'm getting at is, you know, human beings we always hope for something better, right? Yeah, I think so. And we always think that, uh, oh, I have time to fix this. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's the problem. I mean, people think that they all, this is not a big deal. My diabetes is not a big deal. I can just eat what I want and it's not going to cause any problems. And then when it does start to cause problems and they realize, oh, I should have been on this, um, you know, taking care of myself better. And we always think that we have more time until we don't, you know, and then that's when we have to have those difficult conversations. But yeah, we have to realize it's important to take care of ourselves right from the beginning because time is not promised to us. And yeah, you may have a chronic condition and you may live a long time, but you may have a chronic condition and it may worsen if you're not taking care of yourself. But I think we all have to come to the knowledge that we are mortal and we're not going to live forever. And life has a beginning and it has an end. And there are things that we can't fix, but we can work to try to make sure that we can manage as best as we can and prevent things from worsening. Well, you know, when we are younger when and something happens, for example, a younger person gets overweight and they yeah. then go exercise and then they lose a 10, 15 pounds and they yeah. feel better, you know. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And uh, or, or maybe they get some kind of an illness and they go to a doctor, get the meds, mm-hmm. you know, recover, pay attention to what doctor is telling them, they recover, yeah. you know. And then you get this false, you know, security that mm-hmm. you can always fix this problem. You know, I can right. always stop my drinking. I can fix my cirrhosis. You know, mm-hmm. I can re- repair my liver. I can repair my lungs, you know. But mm-hmm. the, the fact is, according to what you're saying, is the time comes in many of these cases when there is no going back. Right. There is no repair. Right. There's In the majority of these cases, there's no repair. So... Yeah. I feel like a lot of these conditions, these chronic conditions, you get them and you think that they're not a big deal, Um, especially like diabetes, because you don't really have any symptoms for the most part. Right, right, right. And then when your sugar is not controlled, then you start having issues with your vision and then you start having nerve pain and then you start having problems with your kidneys. And so these things kind of creep up. So I feel like, yeah, people think that they have time and this is not a big deal. I can manage this X, Y, Z. But then when these problems start to creep up, then that's when they kind of realize. But yeah, like I said, time, time is not promised and it's so important to just make sure that you're managing your health right when you're told that there's an issue because you don't want to get to a point where you're dealing with a whole host of other issues that were caused by that one issue that if you had just gotten it under better control, you wouldn't really have to worry about that so much, or at least you wouldn't have to worry about it as much as you are now. <laughs> this conversation reminds me of the story of Samson, you know, because mm-hmm. you remember how uh, his girlfriend was trying to trick him into losing his power, and every right. time he bounced back, you right. know, and... <laughs> Then one time he just didn't bounce back. That's he, right. It was gone for yeah. good, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. and he paid dearly for that. He did, yeah. He, he certainly did. Know that, I mean, that definitely is the case with a lot of people. Um, and I think a lot of individuals can say that they just don't really, unfortunately, pay attention to their health. <laughs> I don't know why that is. I think, uh, yeah, part of the perception is that, oh, we have nine lives and we can fix this or I have time to get this done or it's not a big deal. Or I just want to live life and do what I want to do, you know, um, but just not realizing the consequences. So 
Then we hear people say, you know, people don't change until they hit bottom. But uh, what I'm hearing you say is sometimes when you hit bottom, it's too late. Yeah. I mean, the majority of the time when you hit bottom, it's too late. You can't dig dig out anymore. It's too far. Yeah, it's too far. Um, And we try to get you back to a baseline where you were before. But especially when you're older and you reach the bottom, the likelihood of you getting back to where you were before is impossible. I mean, you'll be at a new baseline. So as you get older, the body just doesn't recover as much. I mean, there are changes that happen to your cells and your body's just not going to be able to recover as if you were 20 years old. So that's why it's so important, just even when you're younger, just making sure that you manage things so that when you're older, you know, you'll at least have some reserve. Um, but yeah. And a lot of these diseases and illnesses um, are brought on by our own poor decisions. Right. What we eat, um, being sedentary, not moving as much as we should. I would say those are the main things. Alcohol, smoking, those are obvious things that we know cause problems. But, I mean, there are some people who drink like a fish and nothing happens, you know. But um, but we know that there are side effects or things that can happen because of drinking too much, like like I mentioned, cirrhosis or scarring of the liver, smoking. You can get cancer of the mouth, of the lungs, um, of the stomach. So many different things that can happen from the choices that you make. And just eating healthy and movement can just do so much to help to kind of keep those issues at bay. And that's a huge problem in the mm-hmm. in this country right now. I mean, people are not moving. Yeah, they're not. It's so funny. I was looking um, I was looking at something online, and they mentioned something about people preparing to go to Europe by practicing walking. Because, you know, everyone walks in Europe to go places, but in the U.S., we don't walk anywhere. We don't walk anywhere. <laughs> yeah, we don't walk anywhere, but it's just so normal in other countries. So then you have to prepare to go to another country to, like, and to walk. If it's he, yeah, here, if you see somebody walking on the road, you'd be wondering right. what they're up to. You know? Yeah, are they okay? <laughs> exactly. Um, but, yeah, it, we're just, unfortunately, in America, we, we quote-unquote, have so much, right? But in other ways, I feel like we're really just behind the rest of the world. We, the we have just reached the levels of luxury that are unprecedented. Right. <laughs> I guess some people would look at it that way. <laughs> I, I think that's the case. We're just too spoiled, you know. Yeah. We have all the conveniences. And yeah, that's the thing. So you don't have to go anywhere. Just we, press a button and your food comes to your house. That's right. <laughs> well, we'll be right back after this break. All right. Um, in the studio today, we have Dr. Lisa Lindor, and she specializes working with people towards the end uh, of their life and people who have uh, illnesses and diseases, chronic stuff that is not going to get better and fixed. And I am, um, you know, I think it's privileged to talk to you to get the good advice to people who are not there yet, you know. Yeah. Who are still relatively healthy, mm-hmm. but they are, you know, taking all the steps to get themselves into trouble. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Doing all the things that they shouldn't be doing, <laughs> hoping that it'll be okay in the end. And, the, and, the, and we do, we love our food. We love, you know, junk food and mm-hmm. sweets and buffet and, yeah. you know, and all the just horrible awesome. stuff. You right. Know? 
then we so good. They so good. We don't move. We you know, we got these phones, TVs, mm-hmm. eighty inches, hundred and ten inches, I don't even know, you know, super right. soft couches with you know, a deal where you can put your soda in into your couch, you know, and it's not gonna go anywhere. Right. I mean it's ridiculous how spoiled and how you know. Mm-hmm. And they, this this has a this has an an effect that uh, that have the countries on medications. Yeah. I I know. I mean, it's almost, yeah. I feel like we we do this to ourselves. I agree with you that we just kind of live in this lap of luxury. Everything's given to us. We don't have to get up to go anywhere. We can get anything at the click of a button. And so we just don't move. We just kind of stay in our homes and we don't exercise. We don't eat right. Um, You know, we're overworked too. And so when you get home, you're just tired and you don't want to cook. And so you cook things that that aren't good or that aren't healthy. So it's just kind of a cycle. But we kind of have to just train our minds that that's not the way to live. And sometimes it can be hard because you don't feel like doing it, but it's important to have self-control. And that's something that only you can, um, you know, and with the help of God, I should say as well, um, you know, that you can get. But it definitely takes a lot of discipline, especially in the day and age that we live in, in America, having everything at our fingertips. Um, yes. And, you know, with the help of God, I mean, when I look at the scriptures, uh, it, it does talk, Bible talks about, I mean, first thing that jumps at me is that God put uh, Adam and Eve in the, in the Garden of Eden. You know, mm-hmm. he didn't put them, I like to say, he didn't put them in a condo in New York City, you know. <laughs> right. He right. put them in the garden. I mean, he put them in the middle of that right. forest, jungle, whatever it was, you know, yeah. to, to, to work it and to, to, it, to tend it. be active. And mm-hmm. th- there, I, Bible doesn't say anywhere that God gave them a couch, you know, right. or a sofa. To laze around. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. the lifestyle that, uh, I mean, that is in the Bible is associated with nature mm-hmm. and good, healthy food. Yeah. No, for sure. I was actually, I saw something online yesterday about a lady. I think she's over 100 years old, and they asked her, what is the secret to living so long? And she said, um, drinking water, movement, fruits, and vegetables, which are, I mean, obvious. You know, you would think when you hear that list, oh, yeah, of course, that makes sense. But we just we just don't do those things. But it's a very simple formula that we've been given to help us to combat these diseases and to live longer, um, but we just... We want the easy way out, I guess, and we, you know, we don't move, we don't eat the right things, and it's a lot cheaper sometimes to get the bad things than the good things, right? If you want to buy some fruit, that can be more expensive than buying a bag of potato chips or a microwavable meal. So it's not like it's made easy for us either, but, um, you know, again, like I said, making those just steering your mind or stealing your mind that I want to be healthy and I want to do these things. And it's just, you can't expect to change your life in a second. I mean, it's going to take some time if you really haven't been doing it, you know, but okay, I'm going to drink, instead of drinking three sodas a day, I'm going to drink one, right? And then instead of, I don't know, eating out three times a week, I'm going to go down to two. And then as you start to make those changes, you'll notice that you feel a lot better and you'll want to continue to improve and naturally those things will change. But yeah, you definitely have to just have that willpower to do that. But the more that you do that, the more that you'll find that it's easier for you to move forward in that in that vein. 
You know, I'm thinking about uh, our church, Seventh-day Adventist church, you know, and um, traditionally everybody used to be everybody. I say the majority was vegetarian on a vegetarian mm-hmm. diet, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, practice uh, resting on, on the Sabbath day, you know, not right. working, taking one day, you know, right. or rest. But even, you know, within the Seventh-day Adventist community, you see mm-hmm. that that's changing, you know, and people yeah. are, you know, not as strict as they used to be with their diet, and right. uh, and I think it does it does have an, uh, an effect uh, on the health, mm-hmm. also the amounts of food. Right. I mean, what do you have to say about eating less? I mean, just... Exactly. A lot less. Yeah. <laughs> eating, I mean, the portion sizes here in the U.S. are massive. <laughs> So we're just used to eating more, right? But you can eat, I mean, you can be eating good things, but if you're eating like multiple handfuls of nuts, right? I mean, that has good fat, but it can also, if you're eating too much of it, too much of a good thing can also be a bad thing. So watching the amount that you're eating, you just want to be satisfied. You don't need to be full. You don't need to feel stuffed and that you just want to feel like you're satisfied. And so I think cutting down, well, I know cutting down on the amount that's eaten in addition to the things that you eat, both of those things together are very important in, in regards to just It's, it's our health. nature to eat until we are stuffed. It's, well, it's, it's this, uh, what is it? Is it this survival thing? I got to eat now because I may not get it later or what is it? Or is it just that we become too spoiled? I think that we've just become spoiled. I think that we're just used to larger portion sizes, and I think we're just used like this buffet mentality. Like you go to the buffet and you can get anything that you want. I'm not saying that buffets are bad, but I'm just saying that you just we just have to mentally get to the place where again it just all comes down to self control. I mean, and after you feel stuffed, do you feel good? I mean, you go home and you have to like unbutton your pants and you just feel like ugh. You don't feel good. Yeah, lay down and yeah. be good for nothing. Yeah, and then maybe have some acid reflux because you ate too much. But just eating enough to satisfy yourself. And, I mean, drink some water afterwards. See if you still feel hungry. A good rule of thumb is, you know, if you think you're full, just wait a little bit. Wait maybe like 15 minutes. Wait and then see if you're still hungry and then you can eat again. But you'll feel so much better if you don't stuff yourself. If you just feel satisfied. If you just eat the, just the, the right amount. Just eat the right amount until you feel satisfied, Yeah, not until you're full. <laughs> Sugars and sodas and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And all of those things make you feel prematurely full, but all of that sugar, it causes you know a spike in your glucose, and so you feel like you're fine, but then after a while you have a crash, as opposed to when you eat more complex carbohydrates like you know whole grains, um, berries, um, oatmeal, things like that, that keep you full for longer and don't cause these spikes in your sugars that, you know, cause you to feel kind of deliriously happy. And then you have a crash because your sugar has dropped again. And then you're hungry again. And then you're hungry again. Exactly. And this, the whole sti- cycle starts all over again. Exactly. Exactly. Might eat another chocolate bar because you're hungry again. Ice cream. <laughs> or ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> See, now people are going to run to their refrigerator. I know. We're making them hungry. Don't do it. <laughs> Okay, we're going to take a quick break and be right back. All right, folks, welcome back uh, to our show. 
Uh, Lisa, you work with, a, you know, I want to ask you this question. It's kind of personal. Uh-huh. But you work with people who are not necessarily going to get better. How does that affect you? Uh, it doesn't. How, how do you deal with that? I, I mean, I actually like working with this population just because I feel like there are not many people who can who can work with this population and who can deal with people who are coming towards the end of their life. I mean, a lot of times I just help them deal with their chronic issues, but then also a lot of times they're declining. And I have to have these, we call them goals of care conversations, where what is your overall goal? What are you hoping to get out of this treatment or that treatment? You know, what do you want out of life? What do you want to, you know, how do you want to live your life over the next six months? And I feel like a lot of people especially in medicine, we're taught how to prolong life, but we're not really taught how to allow people to have a good death. And I personally have always, this sounds very odd, maybe morbid, but I've been drawn to death. If that, I don't know if that makes any sense, but I feel like I was called to help people during this time in their lives to help them to have a a good death or to help them to be able to transition well to, you know, help their families to be able to cope with, um, you know, their declining health and to help everyone to just feel more comfortable because it's not something that's talked about often. And I feel like we push, you know, more and more and more and more, but more is not always better. And going to the hospital all the time and doing more treatments does not necessarily mean that you're going to do okay. Sometimes doing those extra things actually makes you more sick. So I personally feel blessed to be able to be in these individuals' lives during this period. And you know up front they're not going to get better. So you, so you're, what you're practicing and the care that you're giving is different than what some other doctors would do where they are trying to get a person to actively get better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there are, I mean, I feel like as a health... As a whole in healthcare, I feel like we don't do a good job at saying enough is enough, if that makes sense. I feel like sometimes we push too much when we shouldn't. Obviously, there are physicians who their job is to help people to get better. Um, but and even they, And there are people who can get better. And there I are mean, people who, who can get better, yeah. And there are people who I care for. They go into the hospital for something acute, and they come out, and we can help them to at least get back to their previous baseline. Um, but I do just, in general, feel like in healthcare we tend to push and try to prolong life when life is not always meant to be prolonged. Tell me more about these baselines. Mm-hmm. The, how so, do you define them and how do yeah. you categorize them and so on? Um, so, for example, I had this one individual who went to the hospital recently. He aspirating, meaning, meaning that the food went down the wrong tube in his throat into his lungs. And so he went to the hospital. Before he went in, he was able to speak um, some in English. He's Indian. So obviously his native language is his Indian language, but he could speak some English. He was more active. He was very interactive with us. He lives at a nursing home. He was more interactive with the staff at the nursing home, could feed himself, things like that. Um, After his hospitalization, his baseline has changed. So now he doesn't speak, Mm -hmm. really. And if he does speak, it's more so in his native language. Um, He wasn't able to feed himself. I saw him today, and he is now able to feed himself a little bit. Um, he's still having episodes of choking, although it's silent, meaning that he's not coughing, but when you listen to his lungs, you can hear the wheezing. Uh, and he's just not as interactive as he once was. So that would be a change in baseline. So before he was X and now he is Y. And when you are older, 
the chances that you're going to get back to your baseline, especially after a prolonged hospitalization, you typically don't get back to your previous baseline. You have a new baseline. So that's how you categorize the patients and you can basically tell. We Yeah, we look at them based on their changes, what they used to be able to do, what they can do now, uh, what those changes are. Are they able to care for themselves? Were they able to bathe themselves, dress themselves, feed themselves before, and they're not able to do that now? So when we talk about baselines, that's kind of what we look at and use to gauge where they're at and what the change has been. And then you can help the family also make a decision to... Mm -hmm. Right, for the, need more help. For the type of care. Exactly, yeah. This is uh, very morbid stuff. <laughs> I know, but I actually, I think it's important to talk about this stuff because it's not talked about enough, and I think people are scared of this part of life, but I think it's important to know that this is part of life. Unfortunately, we don't live in a perfect world, and death is a part of life, and I, I do think it needs to be talked about more. And, you know, you need to... Tell your family what you want at the end of life. Do you want to be resuscitated? What, you know, who do you want to make decisions for if you can't make decisions for yourself? And I feel like we put this morbid stamp on these kind of discussions because we don't want to talk about them, but it's important too. Because then when something happens and no one knows anything, then it's even worse. But if these have been discussed and we kind of know what the patient's wishes are, family's wishes, all that has been discussed, it's easier moving forward. When you look at these people, you know, that you're working with, mm -hmm. do, can you tell sometimes if they were, if they would have made a particular change or changes uh, maybe a year or two or five before this, that they would have not been in this situation so soon? Um, yeah, potentially. I mean, I had a guy who died recently. He had chronic kidney disease and he just would never come into his appointments or when he did, he just wouldn't want to get lab work. Um, he was a very hard stick in the first place, so sometimes we'd have to send him out to get the lab work, and he would refuse. Uh, and I feel that if he had just taken better care, and he died, he ended up dying. Mm. And I feel like if he had just taken better care of himself and followed up appropriately, gotten the lab work that we requested, he probably that probably would not have happened. So, yeah, there are, are, are a lot of situations where you say, wow, if you had just made different choices, this could have been a different outcome. Yeah, I, I uh, had a, a church member when I was pastoring down in uh, Colorado Springs, mm -hmm. and I went to see him one day, and he was a heavy, heavy drinker, you know. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, this is a true story, by the way, and I asked him to, you know, change his lifestyle and come back to church and all of that stuff. You know, yeah. he just frankly openly told me he wasn't interested because he says that he, he was a funny guy. He says, uh, I, I like women and I like to get drunk, you know. Yeah. And uh, two years later, you know, I was visiting him at a cancer ward in a hospital, you know. Yeah. And I talked to his doctor and the doctor says if if, if only... He had stopped about two years ago. It's just mm -hmm. about the right time when I was there at the house, yeah. you know. Uh, the, his story would have been a totally different, his doctor said. And he died a few weeks later, you know. Mm -hmm. And it always kind of stuck with me that, uh, you know, we get opportunities to make changes. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, it's either stubbornness or I don't know what it is. Hard to say, right? Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, people are just stubborn. People want to do what they want to do, and they don't really want to listen. They want to make their own choices. They don't want you to tell them what to do. 
And are we just pro- programmed to be stubborn? Well, I think that we are. That's our nature. Yes, because we're born in sin, and so stubbornness can, is sinful. But again, it all comes back to. You know, will you allow God to transform you and to change your mindset? It's really about a mindset change, and we can't necessarily do that by ourselves. So we need the, we we do need the the spiritual component. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you see uh, Do you see that with your patients? I do. Um, yeah, I do, and I. Yeah, sometimes I do my best to talk to them. Like I had this one lady who is very anxious all the time. And she, you know, I I asked her, are you spiritual at all? Do you believe in God? And she said, yes, she does. And she prays. uh, But she's constantly worried about things that she cannot control. And at one point I I quoted her, I I told her about Matthew. um, And I said, you know, if God feeds the birds of the air and clothes the lilies of the fields who are here today and God tomorrow, he'll take care of you. So you don't need to worry. Um, but I think sometimes we just get in our own minds and we don't realize that there's someone bigger, meaning God, that can take all this over for us and that can help us. We just want to do all of this in our own self-sufficiency. So I don't want to do this or I can't because I just want to eat what I want to eat or I just want to worry. Um, but I do believe that the spiritual component is so important in making some of these critical changes that will be helpful you know, for down the line. Because I, I, you know, I do. I also believe that, um, you know, God can help people make positive changes. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. sometimes you just can't do it on your own. Yeah. You know, and sometimes you don't have the support of the family or friends, or you don't have anybody in, your, in exactly. this world, you know, that mm-hmm. you can turn to and lean on. Right. And then why not go to God? You know. Right. I mean. Right. Okay. Um, this is uh, interesting stuff. I won't come back after the break and. Talk a little bit more about uh, about what people need to do to change on time, you know, mm-hmm. before <laughs> before it's too late. You yeah. want to help them die? Good. I want to scare them into changing <laughs> before that time right. comes. Before the, I want to scare you folks before you have to see Lisa. You know, <laughs> we we want want you to make changes now. <laughs> Anyways, we'll be right back after the break. Right. Once again, welcome Lisa Linder, Dr. Lisa Linder in the studio, and she works with uh, people who are chronically ill and uh, towards the end of uh, their life. And I want to, like I was saying in the previous segment, I want to scare the, the <laughs> scare scare you to death. You know, I want to <laughs> scare you so you never. So I guess Lisa, I want to take uh-huh. I, I want to take patients away from you. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I don't want them to see you. I want them to. <laughs> Make changes before it's too late. Yeah, you know? yeah. But I, I mean, honestly, the person, whoever you are, you just you need to realize the gravity of your medical conditions and to want to make a change. I think the most important thing is you wanting to make a change. If you don't want to make a change, then I don't know what we can do to to help you to go in a different path. Sometimes a person is stuck, and this is what I mean. Uh-huh. They are stuck. Uh, maybe you know. Maybe the person that's listening out there. Maybe they're divorced. Uh-huh. Maybe their kids are gone out of the house, and maybe they're sitting there and saying to themselves, 
what do I have to live for? You know, as they are smoking on their, you know, fifth pack of cigarettes yeah. and drinking their booze and whatever else they're doing. You know, a lot of times people are at a point in life where they just, I think they just give up and continue yeah. in, in, in these bad habits. Mm -hmm. and they know how it's going to end, yeah. but they don't have the, the motivation to, it's th this question, what am I living for? I got none to live for. Loneliness, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's a hard one. Uh, definitely community is important. You know, if you feel like you don't have anyone, then who will you go to if you if you really want to make a change? I mean, I would suggest that if you're feeling that way, if you have a healthcare provider, you know, be honest with them. A lot of times we have individuals who we just don't understand why they don't want to change, like why they have no motivation. But if if you're honest with us, then we can try to find resources to maybe help with some of that loneliness or whatever it is that you may be feeling. Um, I mean, in those cases, sometimes therapy is helpful. I know some people have some different thoughts on therapy, but I mean, if that's the case that you're just feeling depleted, like you have nothing to live for, you don't have anyone, then I think the most important thing is trying to find that community wherever you can, whether it be your church family, if you have a church family, um, or going to your medical provider and letting them know, look, this is what it is. I mean, is there, are there any resources that I can, you know, take advantage of? Tap into. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of resources out yeah, there. Yeah, there are. I mean, people, you know, people don't have to live their life in loneliness. Right, yeah. I mean, there are, like you say, there are churches in every corner in this country, and churches still, you know, do the do the service of, uh, of um taking care of people as best right. as we can in, in the church, you know. Not all of the churches are about politics, you know. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> a lot of them aren't. <laughs> a lot of them are, but yeah. a lot of them are about community and helping exactly. each other and, about, yeah. and hanging around together and doing things, ministry, yeah. you know, yeah. working with homeless or this. Yeah. You know, in other words, a person can find, mm -hmm. I, I think uh, everybody should be able to find some kind of purpose. Yeah. I know you heard this, people say this to you. Mm -hmm. uh, I bet you people have said to you, I know that God has something else in mind for me. Mm -hmm. I heard that a lot when mm -hmm. I go visit people who are really sick. You yeah. know? So yeah. I, I, I know God, I'm, I know my time is not yet because God has something else for me. And I think, you know, sometimes we are waiting for God to put something else in front of us mm -hmm. instead of maybe go out there and search for it ourselves. Uh-huh. Kind of just waiting for something to drop in front of us. But yeah, it might already be in front of you. Or, yeah, you, you can go out and see what it is that you can do or you can help with. Or even in your own sphere of influence, if you're your home, if you live in an apartment or wherever it is, I mean, you can just be a blessing to those around you. It doesn't have to be something big, some something monumental or mind-blowing, like, oh, this is what God has for me, you know. Sometimes it's the small things. The interactions that we have on a daily basis can sometimes make the biggest impact. In the last couple of minutes that we have here, um, what do you see on the horizon as far as scientific research is? I mean, I constantly read these articles where they say, oh, you know, we are going to solve this disease and that disease and people are going to live to 120. Uh, I mean... Or I, do you even pay attention to stuff like that? I mean, I see it, you know. Um, I mean, they've been saying that for a long time. And, they, you know, and 
I don't know. I, I read something recently that they they found a pill for all. They, they have a pill for Alzheimer's. I mean, we'll see. But I don't necessarily think that we should depend on all of these scientific advances to I can do whatever I want and something will come up and I'll be able to fix things. Um, I mean, definitely science is advancing for sure. And there are things that are being done now that we wouldn't have imagined could be done years ago. So it's not impossible to say that those things can't be done. I wouldn't be one to say, I mean, I, I believe in science, you know, so certain things may be able to be done, but I don't think we should also use science as a crutch to say that, you know, this will happen and I'll be able to get better, or I can change or, or this will get fixed because there'll be these advances. I still think that we should do our best to make sure that we take care of our health while we have it um, with the time that we have. But for sure, anything is possible. And the key key phrase there is while you have it, mm -hmm. yeah. you can you can still improve it while you have it. Right. But once you lose it, you don't have it. <laughs> then it's then nothing yeah, to improve. Nothing to improve on. Right. Then we're just looking at the next baseline, right? Right. Exactly. Man, this is bad stuff. <laughs> you know. I know. This is scary. I'm telling you. Is this is scary. I mean, uh, people should really listen to this show and listen to the advice you're giving them. Uh huh. It's only scary if you don't. I mean, if you don't do it, you you know you should do. You know, if you do. Do you catch you yourself doing things that you shouldn't do? Oh yeah, we all do. You know what I mean? Even <laughs> though you work with this all day long. Exactly. But I think I'm more cognizant and I do my best to just have balance. Obviously, I have ice cream sometimes, but I'm not going to have ice cream every night. And I <laughs> watch how much I eat, you know? <laughs> so it's balance. And you move. Yes, and I move. I, do I know you and your husband do a lot of yeah. uh, moving and walking and all of that stuff. Yeah, hiking. we do our best to hike or bike ride or whatever it can be. And the, and it's a wonderful movement just to go out there and just walk. Yeah, just to walk. Walking is one of the best exercises that you can do, honestly. If you have arthritis, walk, you know. I mean, just walking. Walking is so good for your heart health. It's not bad on the joints. It's great. Mm -hmm. I have a friend, she's 60 years old, and she yeah. walks five miles every morning, yeah. five o'clock in the morning. Yeah. So if she can do it, everybody else Everyone can do can it. Everyone can do it, yeah. <laughs> Lisa, thank you for being here. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. All right, guys. Thank you. God bless. Bye-bye. Be sure to tune in next time for another unique perspective on your whole person health with your host, Dr. G. And don't forget to share the goodness with friends and family and visit our website at fitpositiveconfident.tv and follow Dr. G on Twitter at Dr. G Fitness. God bless and stay healthy.